The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. It don't get no better than that, man. Cook throws the deep ball and it's wide open. Inside the 30, Lovett makes a move. They'll stretch the field to the wide side. Here's Burden, the elusive freshman. Stays on his feet. He will take it to the end zone. What a drive for Missouri. This is the Mazzotcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazzotcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Well, we're bringing you a midweek show this week. Failed to do that uh, in the opener, but we're playing Middle Tennessee State. And, of course, Colin and I, being the researchers that we're known to be, uh, we know that they are the Blue Raiders, not Bearcats. Are we sure they're not Bearcats? Are you hearing this for the first time, Colin? Is is this news to you? I didn't know that. I just, uh, you're telling me now for the first time. Well, as our good friend Corey Fittoni once said, he's like, they must have been standing in the back of the line when they were handing out mascots. (laughs) That's That's a blue raider. I wonder if we ever get Fittoni back on the show. He was always such a great guest. Yeah, he had his moments. But anyway, to the game approaching us this weekend, Missouri now 1-0 after beating the uh, South Dakota possible Bearcats. 35 to 10 are taking on Middle Tennessee State, who got clobbered by Alabama last weekend. You know, Colin, I don't know how much you know about Middle Tennessee. I don't know how concerned you are about Middle Tennessee. All I know is that uh, they did beat Miami last year. Miami tended to not be that great. They were ranked at the time, I think 25th. And they went 8 and 5. They had a bowl win over San Diego State. Ta da! But, uh, you know, the thing I guess I'm concerned about is they do force turnovers and they've blocked a bunch of kicks last year. And, uh, God, I don't know what you thought about our kick protection in week one, but didn't it seem like, I think I mentioned in the show, every single kick we had almost got blocked. Yeah, there was a, they were getting close. They were mm. getting pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I do worry about that. But I think that, uh, you know, this eight and five Middle Tennessee team, of last year isn't even supposed to be as good this year. So I'm not particularly concerned about Missouri losing, although there are a couple factors that always worry me. One is that Missouri tends to play down to competition in years past. And two, Middle Tennessee State's coach has been there since 2006. And I feel like 
when you get like middle tier programs that have been coached by the same guy for a lot of years, they're fucking trouble. Yeah, they don't make a lot of mistakes. It's a well-oiled machine. It's mm-hmm. a factory. Yeah. It's a football factory. They kind of go. You may not always pump out the best thing, but it, it never pumps out a turd either. Yeah. And you're, you're, they're never going to be surprised by anybody and they're going to give you their best shot. And um, I feel like those coaches that stick around at the same place for a long time, they're wily. But they've one, been to the circus. They've seen the strings. They know they, they're not worried about any opponent. That's right. One thing we do know about uh, the game coming up, Colin, this week is that uh, our starting quarterback will be Brady Cook. Yeah, which is, I mean, nobody's surprised by that. I think I kind of expected him to get through this game before he named the starter. But Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm, based off of what we saw on Thursday, I don't think anybody should be surprised by this. It was pretty obvious who was uh, the preferred quarterback. I mean, just in situation alone, they let the kid drop five times. I mean, yeah. this wasn't real. I don't know why it went this way. It just is, it, it just goes in another sort of in the column of this has just been weird under yeah. the name Drinkwitz. You know what I mean? Like, it just, is this really the way we wanted to do this? Is, uh, does this seem strange to anyone else? Well, it handled everything poorly. I mean, I was reading Ben Fredrickson in the Post-Dispatch, Colin, and one thing he mentioned was it doesn't do either quarterback any favors because if you really prefer Cook, just name him the starter at the end of camp. You know, when the season starts, Cook's your starter. End of discussion. But if you really want it to be a competition, you make it a fair competition. Don't give one guy glorified handoff duty and the other guy basically the keys to the offense and then call it a competition. Yeah, it just It's not fair to either guy. It just looks like... It just looks like Drinkwitz did this to be like, he put Brady Cook in the best position he could, it felt like, and then he put Horn in sort of the worst position he could, and then said, well, we know who can blame me now? We had a competition. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, I don't think this service, I mean, this is not going to make the fans happy who, who are screaming for Horn. It's not going to, it, it, it's not placated anyone. You know what I mean? Like, if you were... A Horn fan, and you saw him throw five passes, and go, "No, they're right. I, I, I'm not interested in Horn anymore. I think it is definitely Cook." Nobody watched that and said that. I mean, I feel like that's what Drinkwitz wants. He just wants to lay cover fire. Like I gave him a chance. Yeah, he threw an interception. What do you want me to do? Well, and if you're a Cook fan, you say, "Why did we even have this charade in the first place? What did you learn in one half of a game against South Dakota possible Bearcats that you didn't learn in all of fall camp?" I'm going to call it a charade because I'm classy. But I agree. <laughs> it's, 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 it's been, I, I mean, it just it seems it's completely disingenuous to call this like a competition. I, well, I think he would respect Drinkwitz more if he just grew up here and said, fuck you guys, I'm going with uh, Cook instead of doing this. Like, I'm going to show you five whole passes and then go with Cook. Like, as if this was not basically predetermined. The thing, one of the things that drives me crazy about Drinkwitz, besides his lack of reliable winning results ever, is the fact that he just constantly seems to be playing games with everyone, with the fans, with his team, with the media. Just It's like, give everybody a straight fucking answer for once. I mean, another thing, Ben Fredrickson asked him point blank in the Tuesday post-game press conference, so it sounds like you've got your starter figured out, like this is a done deal. And he goes, absolutely not. And then literally a day later, he names Cook the starter, the number one quarterback and it's like so you're or liar right so you just lied in your press conference or or did something happen between fucking tuesday and wednesday that changed your mind because it didn't you're just fucking around with everybody and it's just like him 
talking shit at media days and getting his foot in his mouth. And it, I guess it was cute early on when we had a lot of hope and the recruiting was going great. But it wears thin. Drinkwitz wears thin. He's like a fucking rock in your shoe. If we were running to a beach filled with naked ladies, I could handle a rock in my shoe. Just like I could handle a run towards a winning season and, you know, 10 wins and a great bowl win on New Year's Day. But we're not running towards that. We are just running to a public truck stop bathroom trying not to shit ourselves. That's what it feels like every season. <laughs> well, Plus we have a rock in our shoe. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's a forced analogy. Well, I told, I'll admit it. It's yeah, a forced we've, analogy. We've said it before. It, it's fine to have shtick if you're winning football games. And early on, I think we'd everybody would kind of enjoy Drinkwitz bringing some humor and some flavor to that, the press room. But like you said, it was, it was more optimistic time. We're in, we're in a year four and uh, he's on sub 500 and has got a quarterback controversy. And I I just, of his own making. Yeah. I just don't think this is, um, you're, I don't think you're allowed to hand it up anymore. You know, like you've, you've lost that ability. You can be a complete crazy person if you want, if you're winning, you know, to see Mike Leach or Dan Mullins or any of these coaches that have been bonkers at times when they're winning, nobody gives a shit. And the minute they start losing, they ship them out. And you can also be a righteous prick. You can be just a insufferable Nick Saban if you're winning, but if you're not winning, you can't be that either. You know, like a friend of mine was making a defense for Drinkwitz. Like he can't do anything right. The fans are mad at him either way. And I'm like, I don't feel like that's, I mean, I guess, but he's not winning. You know what I mean? Like people will suffer anything in winning. Uh, I made the analogy to him. Look at wide receivers like Terrell Owens or Chad Ochocinco, who were phenomenal talents, but also phenomenal pains in the asses. And the minute they couldn't catch touchdowns anymore, they became completely expendable. In fact, people were g- glad to see them go. And I just feel like with Drinkwitz or any coach, I'm like, you're allowed to be as big a ham or as big a prick as you want, as long as you're winning. The problem with Drinkwitz is for a while he was ha- a ham and now he's kind of turning into a prick. But on neither side of that spectrum are there the wins that it takes to have that sort of fucking attitude. <laughs> yeah. At the at, I don't know, midway through last season, I basically decided I was going to jump off the Drinkwitz bus, and the and I've <laughs> not looked back. But his decision making and the way he games everybody and plays the prick slash ham role, it's it gets to be just fucking infuriating because one of the things he's done that has just been baffling is his offensive play calling for all this time. I mean his it. Everybody's like, well, you think the guy's not going to put us in the best position to win? He can. He needs his job at $6 million a year. I'm like, I mean, I'm not saying that he doesn't want to try to do that. What I'm saying is I don't know that he's capable of it because I don't think he's a smart guy. I'm okay saying that I don't think Drinkwitz is very smart. I know he is completely insecure. I mean, he's pretending to not care what the media thinks, but while consuming everything the media says all the time is like a glowing red light that he's super insecure. But... I don't think he's that smart. I don't think he's a very good football coach. I don't think he's the best guy to run an offense. And I hate that the new offense we have looks identical to the last offense. And I mean, I think I sound more negative now than I did after the football game, but I just don't think Drinkwitz is a good coach. And the things he does off the field are as mind boggling as the things he does on the field. He's got this year, you know, for me, he's got this year. 
Uh, yeah. I, you know, he's retreated well. Um, he sure has. He's got I an give offensive him coordinator. Give him that. He's got a healthy quarterback that he's chosen. You know what I mean? Like, this is it. I mean, he's, he's it's year four. He's got his roster. He's got, quote unquote, his quarterback now. Yeah. He's got his staff. It's time to put up or shut up. You know, like, I'm going to join you off the bandwagon if this season doesn't go well. Um, I think for Drinkwitz, what I've seen in the SEC so far shouldn't scare him. True. A great deal. And I think that this season, as much as anything, I think Mizzou's going to have, I really believe in this defense. I'll be so disappointed if they don't uh, perform the way I hope them to. I, I hope they're going to be suffocating. I think that they will be. They've got talent at all three levels, and that's such a gift at this at, at a school like Mizzou. I mean, at Alabama, it's easy. They, there's fucking talent at all three levels. At Georgia, there's talent at all three levels. But when you're one of these mid-tier programs like Missouri, to have talent at all three levels of that defense, I feel like is a rare thing, and they've got it. If Blake Baker can get these guys a little more pressure on the quarterback, I think they're going to be hell on wheels for teams like South Carolina and Kentucky. It, you know, some of these teams that I see as being on our par of that level of the SEC, you know, Georgia is still going to give us all we want, a, you know, and probably win that football game handily. Tennessee's offense may be talented enough and efficient enough and explosive enough that our defense will be overmatched. But I just don't feel like there's very many games where Mizzou's defense is going to give them a significant advantage. And even though Drinkwitz is an offensive coach, the defense may be what ultimately saves him. Which is ironic because he's an offensive coach, but I'll take what I can get. I mean, if we're a team that uh, can score a few points and get by on defensive strength, then that's that's a fine strategy and one we expected out of Barry Odom, who was a defensive coach. Turned out he couldn't coach defense. Then we hire an offensive coach in Eli Drinkwitz, and he can't coach an offense. It's bizarre. One of the things, Colin, you talk about the South Carolinas and the Kentuckys, that mid-tier range of the SEC, that has been frustrating for me about Drinkwitz in this time here is that it seems like these have been years. The last two, three, four years have been seasons where we can capitalize. We can't beat Georgia. Nobody thinks we're going to beat Georgia. Georgia's going to take the East. But the rest of this division of the conference, the Eastern Division, isn't that great. And it's up for grabs on the number two spot. Tennessee's latching onto it. But teams like Missouri if they can get their shit together, could and should capitalize. Drink has never jumped at that opportunity, and we've lost games that we just absolutely shouldn't have. There's been, a, you know, I listed out five reasons why I was off the Drinkwitz bandwagon, and one of the main things for me, still number one, I guess at the top, is that in four years, the most important position of quarterback, he's been unable to find an answer. But another big one for me is gut punch losses, like just letting Tennessee run all over us year after year. And then letting games like Auburn just fucking fall out of our hands. Things like that are just infuriating, and uh, I'm not forgetting them anytime soon. And I, I know everybody wants to wipe the slate clean and say, hey, it's a new season. It's a new start. Let's see what we can do. Uh, we just beat South Dakota. But, I mean, you'd be kind of crazy not to factor history into the equation when you're looking forward. It's going to come down to this season. I think there's plenty of people that are still with Brinkwitz like I am because for the same reasons, because of the recruiting. But I do feel like the the vast majority of Mizzou fans will join the Brennan party with a bad season. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe there'll be a small segment of fans like, he needs another year. But I think for the most part, people are going to be like, all right, we've seen enough. But like I said, I've got my fingers crossed. I'm hoping the offense can be efficient enough. I'm hoping they can score some with, with the running backs and uh, Luther Burden and 
I just I'm hoping it doesn't take much, honestly, you know, with this defense. Well, I'll tell you what I'm expecting for next week. I expect us to win. I expect there to be long stretches in the game where we get really frustrated, where the offense becomes sort of inept. Defense is going to keep us in it, and we're going to pull out a win, and there's going to be times where Brady Cook looks like a very solid, fine quarterback. And then the following week, I expect Kansas State to kick our ass, and our offense is going to look like shit, and I'm going to start calling him Eli Konzowitz because his offense (laughs) is so boring and ineffective and ineffectual Mm -hmm. that – I just expect that we're going to get beat badly by uh, Kansas State, no matter how good our defense is. And then you're really going to start hearing me saying cuss words. Yeah, well, I'm not ready to make those those, those bold predictions just yet. But mm. um, get I ready. Hope what I what I want to what I want to see is Brady Cook have a good game. You know, I want Brady Cook. If Brady Cook's the horse we're, we've picked to run this race with, then I want the best for him, and I want him to show me and give me some confidence that he's more than I think he is right now. Because what I think he is right now is a very mediocre quarterback who doesn't, who misses a lot of open wide receivers, not throwing to them, just misses them, doesn't even see them or doesn't feel, feels the pressure, just can't get it there. I mean, I just, he looks like a very limited quarterback right now. He, at least he did last year. Again, he didn't really do anything in the first game to sort of changed my mind about that and i i just want to see what drinkwitz sees i want to see what brett sarver sees because i don't see it right now i'd love for him to give me a game where i can say okay okay i can get on board with this train too like i i see what everybody sees but right now i don't see that and so that's what i really want out of this game is i i I don't even need horn to play at this point if cook is the fucking starter the starter get him all the snaps and please for the love of god show me something to give me some optimism. Oh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm more than ready to be done with the Cook versus Horn discussion. I hope that I'm wrong. I hope all these predictions that I've made for the next couple of weeks are completely off base. And we're a strong team because it's not out of the realm of possibility. But I just don't have a lot of confidence in it. But, uh, oh, Colin, talking about uh, being disappointed in the Tigers, potentially. Uh, don't know if you saw a little dust up. I read about it in Sports Illustrated, actually. It said college football world roasts Mizzou for cringeworthy instructions on how to cheer. You know what I'm talking about here? I saw something about it. I saw the original video or something. Somebody put it on Twitter. I didn't care enough to even look at it. I, uh, you mentioned it today, but I, I didn't know anything about it. Well, let me just play this for you Tiger fans, we want Faroe Field to be the loudest place in the country. Follow these five rules of the zoo for all four quarters, and we will be rocking all night long. This is rule at the zoo number one. When our Mizzou offense takes the field and gets ready to work, This is rule at the zoo number two. Each and every time our Mizzou offense moves the chains, our announcer will start us off with, that's a first down for M-I-Z. And you will say, C-O-U, go Tigers! This is rule at the zoo number three. Tiger fans, when you hear that Jaws music start, it means it's time for a Mizzou kickoff. Our kicking unit is on the hunt like sharks, and trust me, these guys live up to the shark name. And when that Jaws music starts, link arms and start to sway. And make sure to carry this momentum towards kickoff. This is Rule at the Zoo number four. When our Tigers are out there on defense, y'all know what time it is. We need some And when you hear those trumpets start, let's take it up a notch because it's third down. Let's 
at the zoo number five. Once that clock hits zero in the third, it's officially the fourth. Put those fists up. It's our chance to unify Perot Field and propel our Tigers to a win. Those are the five rules at the zoo, so let's keep Perot Field rocking and don't be afraid to lose that voice. M-I-Z! All right, so you get the you get the picture they're calling. That seems like a much to do about nothing. It is much to do about nothing. It's a very lame sort of video. But uh, what what happened, I guess, was that everybody else in the SEC, who of course hates Mizzou and hates the fact that Mizzou is in the SEC, said uh, that uh, I guess Mizzou fans need instructions on how to cheer or how football works. Which I mean, if you watch that video, it seems like fair criticism because. It was lame. I guess what the video was sort of riffing on was the St. Louis Rams had a very similar, also cringeworthy video, basically giving rules on how to cheer for your football team. And supposedly this maybe was sort of like mocking that 10 year plus old St. Louis Rams video because yeah. you know, everyone in St. Louis <laughs> hates the Rams. But very few people got the joke. And um, instead, it just well, sort how of made would anybody us get that joke? Bad. Like I said, basically talking to a bunch of college kids who 10 years ago were literally in elementary school. They don't remember the fucking Rams cringeworthy video. Like it's a sort of obscure reference. Like, yeah. Ooh. Who thought this was a good idea? Do people really need to be told that you need to be loud on third down when the defense hit, or when the opposing team has the ball? Is that something? Brand, that, I th we've discussed it multiple times. How bad is Mizzou at all things PR? Yeah. Well, I guess maybe, Colin, we're going to improve because uh, I don't know if you saw some other news, which is that uh, they hired Dave Matter. <laughs> so, like, longtime beat reporter for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Dave Matter, is now on staff with the athletic department. It's like... Assistant AD for like storytelling. Brandon, yes. how in the world could Dave Matter, with all those cutting, hard driving questions over the year, ever be on a good enough terms at the university to get a job there? That seems crazy. <laughs> the old, the old mad dog Dave Matter. Well, I can't believe it. Look, I hear what you're saying, Colin, and I do think that uh, I think that Dave Matter has been a very good reporter for Mizzou. He also is a guy who like wrote Gary Pinkle's ghost road or whatever you want to call it. Gary Pinkle's book for him. He is on tight terms with the athletic department. It, I do think it speaks to something that we have bitched about in the past for a long time, which is that nobody really gets into the weeds with the athletic department because they want access. And so they're too cozy. This looks like yeah. an example of being pretty cozy. And I think we might take a little heat about this because people do like Dave oh, matter well, and people are excited like about matter this from the standpoint of like, I enjoy his writing. I enjoy his articles. I mean, he was good at his job. I have no complaints about that, but it does, you know, if you're the main beat reporter out of the biggest paper in the state for the college football team, and then they hire you, the athletic department, I don't know. It makes you, God, that just feels incongruous. Yeah, I mean, it, yes, it, it is. It, it, it's a head scratcher. And I mean, look, I think that Dave Matter and Gabe Yarman, they're sort of the last of the old school breed of guys who went to J school, went up to the press box and got to know each other, maybe had beers after the game. I don't know how cozy they are or not, but it doesn't work the way it used to work. I mean, I think that most of the people in the press they're box now guard. are like 19. And when they turn 22, they get in get a different job that pays better like a school teacher you know just like well i think this is and the guys like dave matter just don't exist anymore gabe yarman who all the way like gabe yarman isn't working for the athletic department but he is literally using his site to 
raise money for NIL dollars for the athletic department. So let's not pretend like this is a non-biased <laughs> website yeah. um, that he's running either. Like he's literally raising money for NIL dollars. I don't know what his role is going to be. Dave matters at the athletic department, whatever it is, I'm sure he'll be good at it. I mean, if he's supposed to be a guy who sort of helps the PR and helps the communication about the team, well, about the athletics. Yeah. They desperately need it. But it is a head scratch. I think as much as anything, too, Colin, it just talks about, well, like, the post-dispatch is going down the fucking drain. Like, um, you know, I'm sure he got paid peanuts, and I'm sure he was constantly worried about getting fired or laid off because, you know, newspapers suck. And the post-dispatch fucking sucks. I mean, I subscribed to the post-dispatch a long time. A lot of it for Dave Matters coverage of the Mizzou Tigers. But their fucking app was such garbage. You couldn't search anything. Everything, it, it, it was going downhill and is going downhill. And I think jumping ship, Dave Matter jumping ship is just another indicator that uh, things aren't going well there. Yeah, I, it's just like the Joe Wall Jasper situation. Except in Joe Wall Jasper's case, he was basically let go. Um, but, you know, he didn't go back into the media. He just was like, all right, well, there's good money to be made you know, in other avenues. And so you yeah. lose a good journalist. And I think we're losing another good journalist. We uh, are. Despite him being overly cozy with the, the program. And that's, that's what it aggravates me is like, who's covering this team at some point. Well, and I think we catch heat, like especially on Twitter for being negative, but like there isn't a lot of spaces where people in the media are critical of the team, you know, because there's very little access anymore. And if you want to keep it, you better not say anything too nasty, especially about a coach like Eli Drinkwitz, who is thin skinned and holds grudges. And if you want to be there and get players to talk to you, you've got to toe the line a little bit. So, you know, I don't think we're not, we're not journalists, but the fact that we're willing to say something sucks when it sucks means that we feel some void, I think. Well, and especially, like I said, in the Mizzou uh, media world, our press and I mean, aside from like Ben Fredrickson, I think he can he kind of gets to the brass tacks sometimes. But for the most part, our press is wholly positive. And I think you can also see that in our fan base is like they're, they've almost been trained by the, the media that, you know, no, you just like, it's all good. And, you know, for instance, I know Gabe Yarman was, you know, making a defense of, of Eli Drinkowitz, you know, basically, and, and people being upset with his press conference about the weird stuff he said about his daughter, about his defensive nature. And it's like, okay, well, here you go. Here's Dave Matters out the door. Here's your longest tenured Mizzou journalist. And he's laying cover fire for the head coach after the first fucking game. And it's like, all right, well, Mizzou definitely needs some perspective that isn't blowing fucking sunshine. 24-7. Yeah, well, I think if you're not into blowing sunshine, this is a great podcast for you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Colin, you talked about something that I think we would like to introduce this season based on the fact that we are uh, in the green from our first gambling. Well, Brigham, we gave uh, advice bit, to yeah. our Twitter uh, followers to uh, go with the over with the Mizzou South Dakota Bearcats game. Yeah, we liked 44 and a half was a good number. We took it and we won. Yep, and they because they scored 45. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so it was it was a, a slam dunk where you uh, yeah. just like we drew it up. But no so doubt. we thought let's we we gave our fans one tip. We could just continue to do this. So I'm bet with the Mazodcast. Me and Brent are going to bet these games. We're uh -huh. going to do it with you, and we'll see if we've won you guys money by the end of the season. 
Like if you'll bet with us. We want you guys to bet with us if you can. Whatever you can afford. I don't know if we can call like ourselves that. one and oh since we didn't start the segment when we picked the over last week. Are you, are you saying we're one and oh? You think? Well, we, po- we 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 pumped it out there. We said you guys yeah. should bet this. Looks like free money. Right? Yes, yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, not on the show, but on on social media. So I'm going to count it. I'm okay. going to count it. We're one and zero right now. Yeah, you're in the green. And uh, now we're going to the show. And Brendan, what do you th- what do you, what's that pick going to be? Well, uh, I'm not going to pretend like we hadn't discussed this beforehand, Colin. But I think we both like the look of the Alabama versus Texas matchup. Alabama is favored in that game, but what is it? Seven and a half still. Seven and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And seems uh, low. I think both of us are of a similar mind, and that's how we're going to make these picks when there's games that we both sort of uh, wet our chops on. Texas is a fucking constant disappointment every year, and Alabama is good every year. I just think Alabama is going to beat Texas by way more than a touchdown. Dude, way more than a touchdown. Thirteen and a half seems much more. Yeah, I'd be. You know what I mean? I'd be nervous like, any more uh, than that for sure. But it's just like a seven and a half. I, I just feel like there's no way that Texas keeps it that close, especially because Nick Saban is a ruthless prick. Yeah. You know, I, I just he's not a kind of guy who pumps the brakes in games, well, especially um, for a team that he's going to be like, you want to be in this conference? Welcome to the this fucking is what conference. I'm, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he, he plays bad teams and his idea of pumping the brakes is putting on the putting the five-star athletes that are behind the starting five-star athletes in and st- but they still <laughs> yeah. demolish everyone, you know? Yeah. So it's, um, so now this is Texas. This isn't San Diego state. So he's going to have the starters in the entire game. And <laughs> I just feel like there's no way that the, the two touchdowns I, easily would be my prediction on yeah. tech. I mean, who the fuck is Texas? Did they suddenly <laughs> get good when I didn't notice is Texas back? Oh. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah. Seven and a half points. This is it's that is ludicrous, biased for a storied large program. Now, Colin, to be There's fair, no way. To be fair, last year Alabama played Texas and eked out a one point victory. That is shit house luck. That is the fuck. I mean, that is shit house luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you don't see that happening again here. Oh fuck! Oh my god! Well, if anything, it means Alabama is going to be even more motivated to crush them. I mean. If Texas can't do deep knee bends or a fire hydrant after this game, I would be shocked. Yes, I agree 100%. I think because of the results last year, Nick Saban's even going to be that much more out for blood. Oh. I mean, it seems like – should we say free money? Is it is it a free money situation? It's, it's a lot of lead pipe lock of the week. <laughs> All right. We're going to find that drop and lock it in. Yeah. So uh, if you want to make money with the Mazzotcast this year and follow our picks, we are 1-0 asterisk on the season, and we both feel pretty, pretty, pretty confident about Alabama. Taking on Texas, by the way, at Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Bryant Denny Stadium. Oh, baby. Oh, doctor. Uh, yeah, we got a bond burner uh, here for you today. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think uh, the, the uh, Paul Feinbot's going to love this pick. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He sure will. Paul will be I can't very, wait to tell him. Yeah, he'll be very happy with us. I know he's on his charger right now. I love it. Um, <laughs> he needs a new battery. That thing runs down fast these days. I want some uh, some whiskey. Go with Bama over the uh, – so Bama's number three in the country. Texas is number 11. Give me a fucking break. So uh, I, I like this one. You know, 
Twink Caleb was really pushing us on the Colorado fucking Nebraska game because I think Colorado was given three points and he hates Nebraska. And I get it. I and Nebraska's it. bad. Yeah, I get it. I just don't know. I just don't trust Colorado yet. I agreed. Agreed. I am far more secure on this Bammer pick. So I bet with us. Mm-hmm. They get rich with the Mazadcast. That's the name of the segment. Get rich with the Mazadcast. All right, Colin, before we shut this son of a bitch down, do you have a prediction for our game against the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders? I'm going to say 45 to 13. Tigers, I'm assuming. Obviously. I don't think a Eli Drinkwitz run team can ever produce 45 points um, <laughs> against anybody. I think that um, the Blue Raiders, I heard they blitz a lot, which – I think because Brady Cook can run is a it's a bad idea, you know, to blitz Brady Cook if you're this team because uh, I don't think they're going to be good enough. I don't know though. And I mean, I just I just feel like they he's going to flush the pocket. He's going to be in these games where Brady Cook probably runs for a touchdown and has a hundred yards rushing. I think we need to avoid penalties if we do that, and our defense stands tall. Which and that's I do something think- we didn't talk about the other night, Brendan, that we had trouble with again too. Penalties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good way to kneecap yourself against mediocre opponents, right? That's why I say it. Um, and we tend to do it. I think this could be a real, I, th- I think Luther Burden could feast on this one. I really do. If we can handle the blitz, you know, fucking Luther Burden can run rough shot over everybody. I do want to see more of the Nate Pete, Cody Schrader show. I mean, you sort of laid out a plan where we were a run first kind of offense. I like that idea from sort of, limber dick passing game we have so i i'd like to see nate Pete. well and uh-huh. burden's in the slot now too and if drinkowitz or this new guy knows anything about offense they're going to have hot routes for blitzes which typically that's the slot receiver's responsibility so if you know brady cook can pick up the if, you know the line can pick up the blitz and brady cook can see where it's coming from and burden on some little hot route slants whoo you know, you know what Burden can do with those passes. Yeah, that, uh, that would be exciting. I think my prediction, I'm going to go 34-24 Tigers. I just don't see how anybody I'm, – I'm, I'm such a believer in this defense right now. I can't imagine them scoring that much against us. No, I get it. But I can also see I, – I, I guess here's what I think. I think we're going to – I think Brady Cook's going to get picked off. He didn't in the first game. I think this team has maybe a better secondary. A pick six defense can't do much about those. You know, Missouri is a 20 and a half point favorite. I think probably the line likes what you like, Colin, and likes our defense. I mean, maybe 34 17 is better than 24. Uh, you can talk me down, but I don't think we cover. I, you know, we didn't cover last week. I don't think we cover this week as well, but I do think Missouri wins. Comfortably. We have not been a good team at covering. No. The over-under is uh, 48 this week. It was only 44 and a half against the Bearcats, possible Bearcats of South Dakota. But unlike the Bearcats of South Dakota, Middle Tennessee will actually score once in a while. I, 34-17, I'm, I'm locking, I'm really locking it in. I don't shut them out or anything. Yeah, locking it but in. 24 seems like a lot. All righty. 34-17, I'm locked in. Either way, I think we both predict a Missouri victory. Hopefully we'll see a solid performance out of Cook, and uh, the defense lives up to Collins' expectations. Anything else you got for us, Colin, before we sign off this motherfucker and watch him football on Saturday? Nope. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. When our Tigers are out there on defense, y'all know what time it is. 
Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.